Progressive Risk Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry and of course this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today we are very excited to be talking to you about the 1984, was it 1984? 82. 1982. So it's a futuristic film. We are very excited to be talking to you about the 1982 feature Class of 1984. Class of 1984, the lesson they deserve. <laughs> Class of 1984, is this the future? Okay, do you have a synopsis for us, Chris? I do. This is a brief one. Uh, a new teacher at a troubled inner city high school soon ends up clashing with a delinquent leader of a punk posse that runs the school. Yeah, that is short and sweet. Um, okay, sweet. well, yeah. Neither of us had seen this, but you go ahead. Sure. So, uh, okay. I think I watched the trailer and I thought it was going to be... trashier than it was like it it was actually it was actually a movie not that it's perfect uh but i thought it was going to be laughably bad um and there's certainly some stuff to laugh at in it but um it kind of popped right along so just to unpack that bare bones synopsis a little bit it starts with the title card that i, I don't remember verbatim but it's uh it's a long read <laughs> And it's on screen for a long time. It's basically about, oh, this is based on, you know, true events. And 
Do you remember it? It's like, fortunately. Yeah. So it was, I, I, I kind of, I made some notes for this one. So it was something like, this is Lincoln high school. So my note was ominous opening titles about violence in schools. Uh, so they, it said, uh, this is based on a true story. It was Lincoln high school. Um, and it said something like, uh, uh, unfortunately, this is based on a true story. Fortunately, all schools are not like this yet. So it was like yet. predicting that just every yeah. school was going to be. And this is something that, um, well, I'll talk about that when I get to get to my part, but go ahead. Yeah. So anyway, so so it sets the tone with the sort of like ominous, but also preachy and, you know, and, and so we open on the a montage of just student mayhem. Like it's a nice school. It's um, we went to high school. Well, you didn't go to high school, but Parkersburg high school where we grew up is, uh, I didn't go to high school. Uh, you didn't go to high school full stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you grew up in the town where it was. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't, they don't make buildings like that anymore. It's big, beautiful. Anyway, this high school no, looks no. like a perfectly nice high school. I guess it's supposed to be in LA. I don't know where Lincoln high school is. Oh, I, I thought it was New York. Uh, I wouldn't know where in New York that was. They don't have high schools like that in New York city. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I thought it was supposed to be New York, but well, somewhere, maybe it was LA. I don't know. So nondescript it looks like they shot it in a pretty nice or a chicago suburb a pretty nice high school actually but they've graffitied everywhere and there's this montage of kids just dealing drugs and making out and vandalizing cars and knifing each other and you know i mean it's (laughs) you're like oh my god what is what is going on at this place but then the teachers all show up and the teachers are wearing blazers and ties and and you're kind of like, so right from the get-go, something doesn't square in terms of, it seems like, for the most part, it's a pretty typical 80s high school where people are mostly kind of, mostly white, mostly clean cut, mostly relatively affluent, you know, collar shirts and, and, and you know, jeans that aren't all ripped up. But then... There are these little clusters of people that are like troublemakers, like gangs, I guess, um, that are dealing or acting like bullies or something. But they they seem to sort of stick out and the teachers are walking around ignoring it. Roddy McDowell is one of the teachers and the new guy comes in and, and bumps into Roddy McDowell on their way in. And Roddy McDowell's got a gun. <laughs> in his He's like, briefcase. what's the gun for? Yeah, and Roddy McDowell's like, oh, you got to watch. Harry King is the new guy. Okay, you got to watch your back. Uh, you know, you don't let these kids. Uh, and then, and then some shenanigans go down, and the new teacher is like, hey, that guy got a knife or on the metal detector or something like that, and and uh, sorry, I just said his name was Roddy McDowell's like, oh, you got to learn to look the other way, man. You you know. Mm-hmm. And so right from the beginning, you're like, what is happening at this school? And there's a couple of times throughout, several times throughout. uh, He goes to his first class. I'm getting ahead of myself. Goes to his first class. There are some real rabble rousers in his first class. Like everyone is sort of sitting there talking. But there's four or five kids that are just raising hell. And it turns out that none of them are actually in the class except this one kid. 
And they're all just his goonies. And we, mm-hmm. he turns out to be the antagonist of the movie. He's the bad, the bad guy, the bad kid. Really bad. Yeah. We'll I get mean, to that later on. But yeah, we'll we'll get there. Um, but right from the get go, you know, he's like, I'm going to call attendance because I'm gonna call attendance. I mean, they're really aggressive and in his face about their contempt for school. I had the thought several times especially early on in this movie, I'm like, why are you kids even here? Like you're never in class. You know, you're always out yes, in the hallway. That was a question doing drugs or dealing drugs in the bathroom. And nobody's like, why do you come to school? I just, so let's, let's address that while you brought it up. Let's address that for a second. So the it's, I think it's Timothy Van Patten is his name. Yeah. Timothy Van Patten is the actor who plays the, the leader of this gang. And he looks and like a deal- Timothy Van Patten, right? I he mean, does, I think yeah. if you if you picture in your mind a Timothy Van Patten and this kid, yeah. Well, the, the funny thing was the, the, to me about him was he was this preppy looking kid, Yeah, but he's the leader of this gang. And there's one point in the movie where he says, we're making $4,000 a week dealing drugs. And so I looked up the inflation calculator in today's dollars. That's more than $11,000 a week. So they would be doing a half a million dollars a year selling drugs. Why are they going to school? Exactly. You know, they, they don't have to be in school. You know, they could wait until after school or before school or whatever to sell drugs to the kids. So, and I, I don't like to nitpick movies. I mean, that's and now I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I'm going to nitpick this, but these are, they're not even 18 and they are dealing drugs. And later on, we find out, I guess they're doing a prostitution ring. They would be dead in a week. <laughs> you know, yeah. real yeah. drug dealers or the yeah. mob or something would yeah. come in and murder them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. This is, oh, this, this high school, these high school old. hoodlums could only exist in this capacity in a world where they're doing a no... half a million dollars a year in drugs. Well, so the implication and, is, yeah. and, and the cops know about it. So the guy eventually, he continues to have run-ins with this yeah. one bad seed and it becomes personal pretty quickly and escalates. And eventually he ends up in the police precinct because one thing leads to another. And after a series of direct provocations by this kid, he pops him in the face, punches him in the nose. And then, of course, security runs in and there's the kid with a bloody nose. And he turns on the time. He's like, oh, look what he did to me. I was just uh, trying to be. Well, a that was where the boy. kid, though, he like. Well, he does that later. Face into the mirror. Oh, okay, he does later. that yeah. later. Right, uh, the first right. time. Security kind of comes into the bathroom right at the moment after that. And I don't remember what he does to provoke him, but it is pointed. I mean, it's not okay for a teacher to hit a kid. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying watching this movie, this little kid, at one point he refers to him as uh, a psychopath. And then you start up by the end of the movie, you're kind of like, okay. He's a psychopath. Yeah, he is. He turns on the dime. He's actually a pretty affluent kid. We see him at home with his single mom. They live in a really nice apartment. His mother doesn't hold him accountable to anything. We see him play piano. Uh, he is, and this is, I like the little nice touch. They found an actor that actually plays the piano. So he's, mm-hmm. he's playing the piano and he's a beautiful pianist. So, you know, there's this little subplot kind of thing that never gets developed 
that sort of implies like this kid's looking for a father figure, some deep part of him, or he really just does want to be accepted. But what we what we learn for sure is, and what the music teacher sees is, this kid is incredibly smart and incredibly gifted. And by the end, you're like, oh, he, he is. He's a psychopath. He has no empathy. He feels no sense of accountability. There's definitely a sadistic twist to him, which isn't necessarily a hallmark of psychopathy, but it it can go hand in hand with it. Um, and, and he just, once he latches onto this teacher in a negative way, it just becomes this sort of mission to destroy his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what started me down that road. What were we talking about right before I went blabbing on and on about the kid? I'm not sure. I don't know either. Anyway. Uh, yeah, you're right. I think that if they were dealing drugs to that kind of volume, I mean, maybe they, the only place that an outside drug dealer wouldn't get them was in the school. Like maybe they came to school because that's the only market they could survive in, basically. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, well, the, at least one of the thoughts I had related to this kid was so, but he's got this gang of, he's got one, two, three, four of them. There's three guys and a girl that run around with him classmates of his yeah there's the big guy who looks like he's 40 and then there's two other guys and a girl yeah there's a junkie and a kind of a greaser a guy who wears a lot of leather and and then mm-hmm. a girl and it's that pack of of five kids and i thought okay okay so the ringleader is a psychopath and he's a charismatic psychopath and the other kids are kind of but by the end of it they are so into him like are they all supposed to be psychopaths because they literally commit their lives to following this kid. And you think, I don't know. I think it, yeah, even a really troubled 17 year old kid at a certain point would balk at some of the stuff they do in this movie. I mean, it, it's like a, a peck and paw movie. Have you ever seen straw dogs? I have. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like straw dogs in high school. It, you know, it's they come by his house and they squirt him with blood or something like that movie blood or something. And then they do put a Molotov cocktail in his car and then they break into his house and they rape his wife. So as soon as you and saw... take pictures of it and then like yeah. send that to him, this is the lead up of the finale of the thing. You're just like, what is happening? So two things in the movie that were really telegraphed is as soon as the wife mentions that she's pregnant, I thought they were going to kill the wife. I I didn't think they would rape her. I I thought they were just going and kill her. Uh, But you knew something terrible would happen to her. And then Roddy McDowell is a biology teacher and he has rabbits. And it was like, well, the rabbits are going to get killed. You know, so they go in and kill the rabbits. But so... One and of they the, skin another, them and they kind of festoon. Yeah, and they and put the, them on a like a spit almost and they smear blood everywhere. So these are really sadistic yeah. you know, kids. Another nitpick that I had was when the first day of school, the first day that the, the teacher goes into school and Roddy McDowell has his uh, briefcase and he has a handgun in it. And he's like, hey, what's the handgun? For, and he tells them and then he goes in and talks to the principal and everything and i thought okay so this guy came from nebraska and went to wherever it is la or new york or chicago or whatever 
and did not ask anybody about the school, did not visit the school. He's just totally unaware that this is this horrible school. Right. And it's 1984. So it's not like they had video Zoom interviews. Like you wrote a couple of letters back and forth and took the job on the spot like he did. Yeah. I mean, he would have called somebody. Incomprehensible to me. Yeah. But um, so this movie and this is I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but, you know, because we when this movie came out, we would have been like eight years old or something like that. But I can remember. So this plays into a couple of tropes of the era. So one is I don't know if you remember this or not, but this was a big thing as I remember kind of in the media and in the news, all there are schools where they have metal detectors and, you know, they're like prisons and, you know, the kids go in and they're going to stab the teachers and all this kind of stuff. So it plays into that. It also plays into a favorite trope of action movies. Um, And, you know, we've covered one or two of these where you have the cop who you have all these horrible criminals, but the cop's hands are tied because the bleeding hearts won't let them beat up the criminals and all that stuff. So this movie very much falls into that. Uh, Perry King, the principal won't let him do anything. It's like he's, he holds the teachers more accountable than he does these terrible kids. He goes to the police and the police are like, we can't do anything. You know, they're, they're underage. So those were, Right. So, so if the, you're not 18, you just get a free pass. You can just you can murder go, people and rape people. And you can deal go into the, break into the biology classroom and literally mutilate. I mean, dozens yeah. of animals. And it was an upsetting. I mean, mm-hmm. that's an upsetting crime scene, not just because it killed a bunch of animals, but they Hannibal lectured them like they yeah. hung the skins and cut off heads and it was you know it was really upsetting and you think well well what are you gonna do they're not 18 so there's literally nothing there's no suspension there's no there was no repercussions whatsoever but he just sort of shrugs and like okay well call the janitor if you need help cleaning this all up it was flabbergasting yeah and i guess the movie's positing that things have gotten so bad in this school that uh, nothing can be done about these horrible kids Mm mm-hmm which yeah, throughout the movie is confusing because like it says, uh, fortunately uh, things aren't like everywhere. Isn't like this yet. And you're like, well, you know, you, this place doesn't feel quite realistic. Like once he sort of gets the bad kids out of his band class, the band is really good. Mm-hmm. Like it, this is maybe Maybe one percent of the school are these troublemakers, and the other ninety-nine percent are so kowtowed. Oh, that's not the right term, but they're so browbeaten down by the the bad seed in this school that they can't get any learning done. And they, you know, if you could just suppress the bad guys, then we'd all be this wonderful school with wonderful kids, right? You like it's at a certain point, the other kids aren't gonna rise up, like in a school where anything goes. It's almost like the rules and the law protect the bad kids, even from the other kids. Like nobody would stand up to these kids. Come on. And, and, and again, I think that's was kind of a 
trope of 80s films is like oh, we're just powerless to do anything against the because the system won't let us do anything you know um and the you talked about with timothy van patten's character i there needed to be another scene or two so they show him he's the only kid that you ever see any home life of right and like you said he lives this pretty affluent life his mother is obviously in denial about you know they talk about how many times he's been suspended and everything but it would have been nice to have a scene or two where we get some idea as to why he's like this why is this kid right. so evil but it's very um the the film is very black and white in that he's pretty much him and his gang are pretty much pure evil and Perry King, the teacher is pretty much pure good. Right. Although he, his pregnant wife begs him after, I mean, there's, there's several back and forth incidents where this escalates and they have conversations like, you know, why are we still here? Like, let's go back to my mother's house. Like, we're gonna again, have a baby I think that's that he's this hero that and he's like no i'm I don't, i'm not a quitter i'm not he has an obligation to help these kids you know well, he's like i'm a teacher i have to teach and you're like right go teach somewhere else like mm -hmm. again and again this go back to nebraska this school illustrates that it's not interested in doing anything in its own self-interest to protect itself no. i guess i suppose we have this very weak ineffectual principle who doesn't want to do anything. He views all the kids as animals. And like you said, that's like they're 95, 90%, 99% good, but he just views them all as Michael J. Fox. Worthless. Oh yeah. We didn't even talk about Michael J. Fox. Baby. So we have just Michael Fox in this film. No, there's no J even. And he I is probably this, 17. He's probably the age in the, I believe this is his first film. So I think this was pre or just right around the time when he would have started uh, Family Ties. But it's funny because it's kind of he's kind of chubby and he has this really terrible hairdo. He's adorable. You, wa you watch it and you're just like, wow, it's kind of amazing that this guy went on to be this gigantic superstar. I Not that he's bad in the film. Yeah. You know. No, I mean, I. I, I think he looks perfect. He's a band kid. He's a kid right. in band class that's passionate about it. And he's kind of a wiseacre mm -hmm. in a classic 80s way, but in a lovable way. Like he's not challenging authority. He's just got a pocket full of comebacks, you know, uh, and that seem quaint compared to the psychos. Um, yeah. But, you know, he, he's the class clown. He gets a bunch of laughs. Um and I just, I looked at him and I'm like, oh yeah, I could see it. Like the camera loves him. It's Michael J. Fox. Who doesn't, you know, and he goes, he went on to play basically the lovable kid or some version of that. Like he's just had a young face, even, even right. into his middle years that, I mean, how old was he when he did Back to the Future? He had to be older than high school by then, 20s. Yeah, right. He was probably in his 20s. Still playing a high school student. Um, anyway, I, I I really enjoyed seeing him in this, and there's a there's it was neat to see him early on, you know, bit parts that people hand in good performances. I really thought watching the trailer for this and that I'd never heard of it 
that it was just going to be absolute garbage. And, you know, we've been picking it apart. I don't think it stands up as a plausible, it's very much a time capsule yeah, yeah. A, as a plausible thing but as a time capsule uh and i think it, it clips right along so things come to a head they assault his wife i was sure that there was going to be something where she's they say that she lost the baby because why do you establish that she's pregnant yeah, and then I, have these i was certain that was going to happen yeah assault her and then you know um but so so on the night of his big concert uh, they break in, they assault the wife, the girl who is sort of a um, sadist, sexual sadist, uh, takes a Polaroid of them doing it and mm-hmm. puts it in an envelope. And they go to the school and she has just before they're about to the he's the band leaders, the teachers conducting. So just before they're supposed to start, she gives one of the ushers uh, an envelope and he runs it up and he says, oh, you know, a girl back there just asked me to give you this. And he opens it up and takes the Polaroid of his wife being attacked out, you know, and then he turns and she's in the back being like, nah. and so he's enraged and, and he flies off the handle and he goes running out after her. And of course it's a trap. So she leads him into the, I mean, there, the rest of the school is pitch black except for some red mood lighting. <laughs> I mean, it's like the red moonlighting was cool. Cavernous school where literally nobody else is. And they they are yeah. they lie in wait for him and spray him with a they're kind of toying with him. They hit him with pipes and they hurt him, but they don't kill him. It wasn't clear to me what they're There's something where they say they're going to play with him. Yeah. You know, because the big guy who looks like he's 40 is kicking him and beating him. And one of the other guys says, no, you know don't do too much. We're going to play with him a while. Yeah. And, but I guess the end game was ultimately they were going to kill him. I mean, that was sort of the implication. I guess. Yeah. Um, But they got to play with him first. And eventually he gets them to separate. I don't remember how he turns where he stops chasing them and, and and he gets away his... somehow and so the the main guy takes the wife up to the roof and then right. the other they actually have her henchmen. hostage i forgot that yeah. they still got her yeah um and then so the other people are messing at some point they go from chasing him to looking for him yeah and they make that wonderful choice that we see in so many movies let's split up <laughs> right there's four of them and one of him and they decide to split up so one by one he takes him out and, and this right is... before that i was thinking so this is more or less an exploitation yes. movie um and right before that i was thinking you know this for an exploitation film so we had we had a scene early on where they go to this, there's like a punk club that they hang out. That was another trope of the eighties is people were really scared of punk rock basically. So any right. kids that listen to punk music were automatically bad and, you know, dangerous. So they go to a punk club and that's where they do their business. And they have a girl who comes in and she, I guess is addicted to whatever drugs they're selling. At one point there's a, 
there's a kid in the high school that they're selling angel dust to him. And it's like, you never hear about angel dust anymore, but I can remember being in elementary school and being afraid of like, Oh my God, I hope I never come across angel dust. <laughs> you know, I don't know if anybody uses that. So he gets a little bag and he pours it in his palm yeah. and he just it snorts it all up. And then he goes bonkers and climbs a flag, climbs up the flagpole and falls, and falls and off. Dies, and everybody comes so that was another out. trope of the eighties is angel dust is something to be really scared of. Right. You'll want to go really else... high and you'll want to, you'll think you can fly. Yeah. So I don't know what else they were dealing, but that was one of the things. So this girl is, I guess she's addicted to whatever they're selling and she doesn't have the money for it. Uh, so she now has to turn to, she has to be a prostitute for them. Well, but they so sort of pitched it like she already was one. Somehow. Already was a prostitute. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Like that was the but selling it, thing. But it's like, okay, you have to try out or whatever. So she strips down. She's, you know, it's full frontal nudity. So that was a big exploitation thing. And then, um, but as the movie was going along, I was thinking, you know, this for an exploitation movie, this hasn't been all that violent. There hasn't really been right. a lot of blood or anything. But we, you know, we have the scene where the wife is raped, which is really disturbing, you know, yeah. even 40 years later or whatever. And then he dispatches of these thugs. And the first one, they have a battle like in the shop and over a, a table saw. And circular he, saw yeah a circular saw rather and he cuts the guy's arm off and yeah. throws it on him so so then he uh and one you of the hear the saw grinding like basically he throws him on it so it's on his spine and you hear the engine of the saw like <laughs> grinding down yeah. and it goes on and on you're like that's a cheap way to do something but it was like it's pretty gross it's pretty gross. And up to up till then, I was thinking like, this is like half exploitation movie, half after school special. But like it turns, it makes a big turn at the end where it gets full pretty serious. Yeah. But he kills another one of the guys. And this, I laughed out loud at this. I've got to look up this line because I forget exactly what the guy says. So there's another guy where he sets the he pours gasoline all over the floor and sets the guy on fire. And as the guy is burning, he says, fuck you in hell. <laughs> the teacher, which I thought was a great line. I've never heard anybody ever say that before. Even even while burning alive. You see, that's the thing is that these these kids hate him so much. I the other thing that they're so evil. So the big guy and the girl, I guess the other three come in and find. With some of them come in and find the first guy on the bandsaw and they mm -hmm. are heartbroken and furious. They're like, oh, no, and we will avenge you. And you're kind of like, you don't really care about each other. You know, it's like if Wyatt Earp came in and saw somebody had shot his brother, you know, that was the kind of response of like. The, that kind of grief just, yeah. these you kids don't care about each other in that way you're you know you're all evil together that's all that there is and then when he's burning to death he curses him not just screaming ah oh, put it out these are 17 year old kids it's like they're demons or something. There's no other depth. A kid would have been crying. And, one's you know, a junkie. Like, one's a heavy. Yeah. One's a, right. It's just they're they're these 
different colored M&M characters. There's nothing to them. Um, the only time that they ever seemed human in the movie. So there's a scene after. Uh, so Roddy McDowell. And I would say. Roddy McDowell. I think every movie that he's ever been in, he made better. Roddy McDowell is really great. And he's great in this. But he is this bitter teacher who it's like he's, you know, he's like the principal. He views all of these kids as just animals. And, you know, he's he feels that he's never gotten through to any of them. He teaches he biology. He still shows up and does it. You know, that's he still what... shows up and does it. But he drinks while he's at work, you know, yeah. all this. And he has but a the, gun. The, yeah, the only time that the kids seem human is after they kill all of his animals, he there's a scene where he's in class and he has his handgun and he's, he's forcing all of them to answer questions right, at gunpoint. He snaps. And, and all of the gang members are in the class and they're terrified because they think he's going to shoot them. And that's the only time in the movie where they don't seem like cartoon characters. They actually seem human, like kids basically because right. they're scared, right. you know, but they're not um, scared. One of them gets burned alive and he doesn't ever seem scared. Right. Right. Uh, yeah very inconsistent so anyway um you know it's uh he picks them off one at a time does he actually does he kill the girl or does she get away oh no, she's so in the a girl car tries to she tries to run him over but there's like a car in the like uh not the shop class but whatever the auto body class or whatever so she tries to run him over and she actually kills the 40 year old guy um <laughs> in the, the process in the heavy and like another car falls on top of her car and she's not dead, but she's dying. And the teacher says, you know, where is he? You know, the, the leader with his wife, where is he? And she doesn't want to tell him, but, she, but she says he's on the roof, you know? So yeah. you don't know if she, you, you presume that she probably dies, but you don't really know, but it's, she's the only one that has a little bit of, redeeming quality because she at least tells him you know she doesn't tell him to go to hell as as she's dying in the car i wanted to see her die yeah you want to see all of them die i mean it's yeah. very satisfying yeah that they do die you're, you're so clearly goes, on his side so he goes up to the roof and there's a struggle um and the kid ends up falling backwards through one of those windows, skylight windows in the top of a building. And it's above the stage. So there's sort of two panes, like the stage has a skylight above it, high above it. And then there's some sort of, you know, architectural fly space. And then, then there is the sort of top level skylight window above that. So, he falls through there and is clinging to a bunch of ropes that exist for some reason. <laughs> yeah, there's ropes there for some reason. Yeah. And, but the people down below where uh, the orchestra is happening uh, are not aware of what's going on yet. And it, they, they have one of these classic 80 moments of like, he's like, oh, you know, wait, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean any of it. I'm just Don't a let kid. me die. I'm just a kid. <laughs> right. Which seems totally implausible after everything that has happened in this movie. Um, but 
the teacher's like, oh, he's right. I've got to help him. So he reaches down he's to help pure him. good and the kid is pure evil. And it's the scorpion and the frog. And then they, so as soon as he gets his hand, the kid's time tries to knife him or something. And in doing so, falls. As you're, you're hanging on for dear life, you would slash the person who's trying to help you. Right. <laughs> right. Rather than say, let him pull you all the way up and then get him on the roof when you were. Mm -hmm. yeah. So he falls and it's very diehard. He sort of crashes through the light. And I don't think he hits the stage. I think he's sort of, the idea is that the rope is kind of wrapped around his neck and he's hanged. Yeah, he's hanging in there, which is pretty good, pretty good scene. In front of the orchestra effective. and all of the people who came. The turnout for this student orchestra, packed house. Massive, I mean, yeah. A thousand seat school amphitheater and literally not an empty seat in the house. To and hear the them parents, do like the eighteen twelve overture or something. The parents prior to this have probably never cared about anything that went on. And, you know, they're probably just like, this is just no, this a is waste the, of time. This is the school that everyone's abandoned. It's just like, yeah. oh, what are you going to do with these kids? They're, they're all no good. What's they're the animals. None, uh, incidentally, just going back to the beginning, the drugs, all of this stuff, none of the parents are getting involved, right? Mm -hmm. There's just none of these people who show up for this have any stakes in the place where their kids spend six to eight hours a day. Every single day. Right? And in, if we look at today's society, we have all these people showing up at school board meetings and all this kind of stuff. And they wouldn't have been showing up when like kids are getting stabbed and they're dealing there's, angel dust gonna, and there's what are you going to do? They're juveniles. Kids will be kids. You know, what are you going to do? What yeah. can be done? So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Would you recommend this? I, I mean, I, I kind of liked it. I mean, it's, it's not a poorly made film. Again, it's clearly exploitation. There's, there's definitely some very exploitative things in it, but it's, the acting is good. It's, you know, it's shot well. It's, uh, it's, it's not a bad movie. Um, mm. I think, you know, there are definitely some things that you'd laugh at about it and, we're 40 years later. I don't have kids, but you know, you lived in New York for a long time and have children like do schools like this exist? Is this a thing? You know, have we, have we become the, I mean, we have school shootings today, which are obviously really awful, but I don't think this prophecy of this movie has come about that. It's just like, we have all these schools where just, it's just rampant violence and crime. Well, I, I've, I used to do in school stuff work. Mm -hmm. um, and there are definitely schools in the inner city with metal detectors. Sure. And, you know, that's basically because kids would bring a weapon to school, a knife, guns, a little less common. But, you know, in, in the city, you've got there's a lot of things contributing to that. Like there is a lack of funding, right? Is a huge part of it. There's just a lack mm -hmm. of funding. And sure. what, what appropriate funding would do is help do better training for teachers, help uh, pay for better security, better trained security and more security in the schools and um, in outreach programs, because there's a lot of, a lot of the most troubled kids, I think, wouldn't come as a surprise 
come from broken homes. Sure. So where they go after school is rough. Mm-hmm. And that's how they learn to be rough uh, and maybe don't learn to be any other way. And then so, of course, this troubled kid who is probably not a cartoon psychopath just comes to school with a lot of problems and maybe not a great attitude and maybe a weapon because maybe they are involved in drugs. And, and the bottom line is if there's a weapon in school, someone's going to get hurt at the end. Sure. Sooner or later. So they've got metal detectors to try and prevent it and fights break out. Going... And, but, but I've never been in a school where it was just a zoo like this. Like, yeah, I was going to say just did a you zoo notice... that all the animals were loose in the building, fighting and screaming and clawing and, and nobody was doing anything about it. Did you go to schools that were just wall, all the walls were covered in graffiti? And I mean, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, you'd see graffiti. It, the whole neighborhoods would be graffitied. Mm-hmm. And so there would be some tags and stuff in school. But, you know, the school would you just got to clean that up. You know, you sure. just you don't leave it. Um, yeah. So what did so, you think? Would you recommend this? I mean, I think I, I could recommend it as an exploitation movie if you're into sure. that, uh, especially if you're into the kind of time capsule of it. Because mm-hmm. something about was very formative time of our life, those early 80s. And you and I as kids, Star Wars kids, basically would be like, oh, is that what high school is like? Like it might have all seemed very uh, scary and glamorous and grown up to us high school for us was not like this and i've Uh, imagined for most people in the united states it was not like this. no and i I remember when i was in junior high and high school you know there were there were people who would bully each other and there were fights fist fights that would occasionally happen when you know kids got angry at each other but they were always quickly broken up and it was you know and maybe i was sheltered or naive or whatever but i didn't see drugs ever in high school any any drugs no although sadly like it's become a thing in our town uh our hometown uh yeah oh yeah yeah meth 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 and opioids which is Mm -hmm. true of so many places so i think that that has you don't see it in the halls of the high school but i think that that you know it has seeped into that demographic and and it is affecting the kids Um, right I mean, kids would fight. I think that happens in every school. Yeah, after the football there would be, game or whatever. Yeah, there would be fights, but I never saw anybody get stabbed or right. you know, right, any right. of that kind of thing. No, it was a lot of bravado and some mm-hmm. fisticuffs in a small town kind of way every once in a while, but not not like this I found no this i found this singularly implausible and I, I really made me want to know what the true story was I'm like it's based on a true story what a teacher had a gun in school or that there were metal detectors in schools like i i just i felt like this was a true story in the way that i always think of early night early 90s films that are about the internet especially the the kind of more horror sci-fi movies that are about the internet, that they always feel like it's somebody who had never actually used the internet. They just heard of it. And they're just like, Oh, I've heard of this thing. And then they just made up a story about it. I imagine this was 
very, very loosely based on the truth that there was probably some, again, you know, I can remember as a kid, this being a narrative that like, oh, you know, all of these schools have metal detectors and everything. And I'm sure there was some minor thing that happened and they just ran with it. And it's like, hey, let's have these kids selling drugs and running prostitution rings and all this kind of thing. You yeah. Um, it's, I would put a disclaimer on this that, um, you know, early on, it seems kind of benign and sort of silly and funny almost to a degree, but you do have some pretty disturbing stuff in this later on. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't the, watch it with your kids. The rape no, was really no. upsetting to me. Yeah, that was very upsetting. And uh, I was I mean, glad that the one that the wife didn't die. But yeah, but it's it's, it's upsetting conceptually. It's not right. particularly graphically shot, but they do depict the scene. Yes. It reminded me of the Clockwork Orange, although that was yeah. that left that one left scars on me because I saw that when I was younger. And that I, I mean I that definitely was really felt upsetting. Like, yeah, I Clockwork Orange came to mind watching this, and I think they were echoing that, you know, for sure. Um but overall, it's a like I say, Perry King was a guy that I always liked. I, I mean, I don't know if Younger people probably have no conception of who he is at all. But, you know, he did a lot of TV stuff during this time. And I always liked him. Um, him and Bruce Boxleitner are almost like the same guy. Uh, but um, again, it's it's well shot and it's it's well acted and, you know, pretty effective. There's definitely some things that modern audiences would laugh at now watching this. But but overall, it's. I would recommend it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Yes, I would with some asterisks. Mm -hmm. And you've pretty much outlined the same asterisks. So, yeah. What do you want to do for next time? What were we going to do that we decided to bump? So, we talked this? about there's an Australian movie from the same year. And I, well, no, this was 1982, even though it's about 1980. It's the class of 1984. Um, but there's a 1984 Australian film called Razorback about a big killer pig or that boar that looks, that looks pretty good. So I think you want to go ahead and do that one. Sure. Let's do Razorback. Okay. I mean, that looks like right square in our strike zone. Yeah. Right in our wheelhouse. So I've super. never seen it. So I haven't either. I had never heard of it before you sent me the link to it. So uh, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. Obviously we got the video up here on YouTube. We got our We're own on YouTube. Channel. We're on Facebook now, but I think that might still just be audio. I don't know how Facebook is. Handling. No, I've been, I've been posting the YouTube videos to Facebook. Oh, great. Well. Okay. So Instagram, you know, Twitter. Yep. If you're into watching us talk about movies, then you can now start to check out our video feeds. And if you are not into watching us, well, you can just still listen, listen to the to audio us. on all the same usual places. Um, Apple, etc. You know how podcasts yep. work. Um, send us an email. Tweet us a tweet. Whatever you decide to do with Bizarre and Ask for us to have. If you are... Uh... Your feedback... <laughs> If you are, uh, I can't think of what his name is. Yeah, I can't think of what, I don't know who you're talking about. Christoph Waltz. sounded very much like, not, not Christoph Waltz. Uh, <laughs> shoot. The Mandalorian is not the thing that he would be most known for, but what's his name? Oh, Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog, yeah. I was thinking Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. <laughs> he's, 
which is amazing that they got He's him to acting do, now. That's they so got him crazy to do the Mandalorian. I think it's, it's yeah. crazy, but yeah. Okay. All well, right. Um, thank you for joining us. Any final words, Mr. Huddleston? Nope. I think that's it. Great. Then we will talk to you next week.